With the arrival of the hot weather, it's really important to remember just how many dangers are out there for dogs with heat. With our cars, look, most heat stroke deaths are caused by owners leaving their dogs in cars. Even with the windows open, the interior of the car can heat up so quickly, even in just a few minutes, it can go to over 32 degrees Celsius. So that is extremely hot. Whilst most dogs love a car ride, no doubt about that, Never risk leaving your dog in the car, not even for a minute. So when you're out and about, just remember, take the dog with you when you get out. If they're left in the car, it doesn't take them long to become overheated and it really is quite scary because it is life-threatening. Also in your yard, when you when you go home, have a look. Just make sure where the shade is for your dogs because quite often when we go out, the dog might be laying near the back door with some shade there. But when the sun comes around and changes direction, the dog needs somewhere to go. So shade is really important. The other thing to do is to make sure that you avoid dehydration. You need to have ample water bowls out. Sometimes dogs, you know, they, they tip them over, they knock them about. Some dogs, even your Labradors, they just love to dig in a bowl of water, so they very, very quickly empty them out. So one an idea that you can do is popping some ice blocks, those frozen ice waters, into their bowls. This can help us that um, the dog can also chew on those ice cubes, which is great, but it also melts and becomes some water and gives the dog something to have. The other thing is using a, um, a clam. You know those swimming pools for children? They're fantastic for dogs. You can fill those with some water. Don't make it too deep if you've got a little dog, but certainly the clamshell will offer a nice swim for your dog or a cool-down dip and even a drink. I also think that um, exercising is really something to consider. You need to only go walking in the early mornings or the late evenings because it's a lot cooler then. Some breeds are so susceptible to, um, you know, to having uh, obstructions with their brachiocephalic little faces, all those squishy little faces. Um, they can't breathe so well, so it's really important to make sure that um, that they're not going to be affected by walking in the hot weather. Some signs that they'll show is panting and drooling. They'll become unsteady and even collapse. So, you know, we need to remember that this is really life-threatening walking in the hot of the day. The other thing, too, is sometimes we don't really consider the dog's feet, just how important it is to um, protect those little dog's pads. When they're walking outside, you know, if you think about how hot that pavement is, the asphalt, even sometimes you see that that bitumen, is, it's melted, the tar is all sort of, you know, really hot. And also at the beach, the sand gets burning hot. You know, you've all seen everybody tiptoeing and going ouch down to the water. Well, think about the dog as well. We wear shoes or thongs. Those dogs have no protection on their feet at all. So it really is important. And so you're probably thinking, ah, okay, I'll just walk the dog on the grass. Well, we've got another problem there. There's bindies and cat's eyes, and they certainly do hurt and cause a lot of painful results for dogs. So try to avoid that sizzling surface. Remember, you've got shoes, but your dog doesn't. So those feet, those little foot pads will be really uncomfortable, and it's really painful, particularly if they do get burnt. And avoid walking in that hot sun time. Dr. Bob, what would you recommend if a dog does suffer with heat stroke? It's very important to try and cool it as quickly but as slowly as you can because if you suddenly immerse it in water, you can actually cause a heart attack. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, just wet, uh, moist rag or something first, especially around the mouth, so water to the um, tongue, just so that it's got some water and that's getting some coolness down into the lungs. 
cooling the feet as well. So the pads um, have uh, sweat glands in them, so they do a little bit of heat exchange through that, but most of the heat exchange is through panting. So it's very important to make sure, as you said before, lots of water sources, and so you're cooling them down. So it's just gradually getting that temperature down. As I said, if you do it too quickly, too and not good. But as you said, with the wading, wading pool, I love those. Just a you know, couple of centimetres of water in the bottom. They can stand in it. Yes. Some dogs will just stand in it, not do anything. But as you said, Labradors, they will sort of empty it and splash it and, <laughs> and then drink out of it after they've been putting their dirty paws in it. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. We're all special and different. But, yeah, you've got to do it slowly. And if it does look really bad, you need to get straight down to the vet as quickly as you can. Um, but just, yeah, um, moisten the coat but not immerse them in water or a spray so that it actually yeah, helps them to start cooling down. Um, it, it is once, and, and I've seen it a few times, it is a, a very painful yes. death. And, and the people feel so bad because they either left it on the deck or, or something like that and it couldn't get to water or it couldn't get out or they stayed out longer than they thought they were going to. So it is really very traumatic for all concerned. Yes, it was. Good afternoon to you, Bev. What can we do for you? Uh, I have a, a little, uh, well, they class it as a fox terrier. There's something else in it because it's got a bit longer legs. But anyway, a, a small fox terrier. So I am getting to the, to the end of the line. We're trying to get her to eat something. How old is she now? About 10. She's healthy. She's well. Her bowel habits are great. Uh, what is there anything you can do about a dog that will turn? She will not eat biscuits. She will not eat cheese. She may or may not have mince. Half the time she goes to a bowl like it's got um, death adder in the in the bottom of it. How long have you had her, Beth? About five or six years. Yeah. Sometimes, like us, they get a bit bored with things. Also, I, I sometimes, know, but, you know, you give her two choices. She's got uh, my dog in one dish. She's got homemade uh, hyper pancakes that are made out of eggs and wheat bits and meat that I cook myself for her, which the dog next door devours. Yeah, it sounds like me. <laughs> and she walks away eating nothing. I mean, these yeah. things are fairly good too because it's got wheat bits, it's got meat, and it's got anything up to you know, 10 dozen eggs in it, and we used to eat them, and now we're getting, uh, uh, I wouldn't even eat a piece of chocolate or a biscuit or a piece of cheese. Coming to your place, Bev. (laughs) (laughs) Colin and I will be there, we'll eat all the leftovers. Um, Bev, it's really... little dog whose backbone you can feel. Yeah. Um, With little foxies, Bev, it's... um, it's important to know that, yeah, they, they can survive for a few days even without eating. But the problem is the more choice we give them, the more they expect more choice. Um, as they're getting older, it's actually good to feed them two or three times a day as well. So a little bit in the morning, scatter a bit of food on the grass at lunchtime and a little bit more food at night so that they can actually um, look, go out and have a bit of a search for it. If you... you um, don't want to say the word panda, but it is. If we give them too many choices, we actually, yeah, they think, oh, I'll wait for something better. So I was actually at a consult just before, and and when I just tossed them normal dry food on the on the ground, the dog sort of looked at it, looked at me, <laughs> walked away. But when I got back to the liver treats, I thought, okay, yeah, I'll come and sit for you. And so they are very intelligent. They learn from us, and we hopefully are teaching them the right thing. 
But if you are worried, I would take it down for a vet check to make sure there's no um, physical illnesses that can cause that. Sometimes there can be some bowel problems. As they get older, especially at 10, I would be putting her on a senior diet so that she's actually able to absorb the food properly and hence the reason for feeding two or three times a day so that they're not um, just having one big meal and then sitting and not doing anything at all the rest of the day. So a little bit of play, a little bit of exercise, short walk, give us some motivation to do some things and, and feeding a few times a day, but don't give them too many choices and just putting it down for 10 minutes picking it back up after that 10 minutes and if she's not eating it put a cover on it put in the fridge and then that's what you offer to her again for the next meal so they are very anxious little animals too so it may be some anxiety that's contributing um, so, um, yeah, just get your vet to have a check of that as well. Thanks, Thanks. Bev. Thank you, Bev. Uh, we welcome your calls on 49216216 for Pet Chat, Dr. Bob and Cheryl Shaw. So back to our uh, keeping pets hydrated. How many buckets should we have? I mean, can you overdo it? Not really. The important thing is to have, as Cheryl said, multiple water sources mm. because if you've got an animal that likes to knock one over or if you've got a couple of animals in the yard and one might guard the water bowl, yes. don't see it very often, but you'll have one animal that stops the other ones getting to the water. So if you have multiple buckets in multiple places, the wading pool as a source as well, and you know you know that, that some dogs will yeah, only drink running, running water, others will drink water from the, the putrid swamp or the, mm. the, the water lying next to the road. Yeah. Much better taste. Um, so it's... Yeah, it's good to have them in those multiple locations because, as Cheryl was saying about shade, if you've got an, uh, a U-shaped yard, then they've got the option to move around that whole area to go for the shade or the sun during the day, whereas if the water is only in one place, then it can get really hot and they don't like it. So mm. it's the same as, as cattle, Colin, you know, that you know, you've got to have a, a couple of sources and they know where that is and they mm. do that once, twice a day and... If you put an obstruction there, then, yeah, you're going to have a stampede on your hands. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm thirsty now and yeah. I need to get to it. Good afternoon to you, Wendy from Fletcher. How are you? Good, thank you. That's the way. What can we do for you? Um, I have a male Persian cat who's going to be 15 in February next year. Um, he's, he's an inside cat um, and I, he's refusing to use his litter trays. Um, I've got one in the front of the house and I've got one in the, the rear of the house. And just in the last couple of weeks, he's, he's decided to go to the toilet beside the trays or on the carpet. Sometimes as they're getting older, at 15, he will have some dementia symptoms. So yes. he will be a little bit um, uncertain sometimes, walk into a room, stare or cry. So the litter tray use is similar. So it's one of the symptoms we look for. They're not interacting with people as much. They're um, yowling for food too often or they're crying or they're staring into space, but also house soiling. And so he knows to go to the litter tray but just can't be bothered getting in it or he forgets what he's supposed to do. So if you can, um, back to basics, toilet training. So it's actually when you feed him, sort of, yeah, direct him towards the litter tray and if he gets in, that's good. The other thing about older cats is that just check the side, the, the height of the side of the litter tray that he can actually get over it still. Usually I say it's better to have a high-sided tray so that cats don't spread the litter all over the shop. But when they get a bit older, you may have to cut a shorter uh, spot so they can get in okay. Good to have one at the front and one at the back of the house near the most um, 
the yeah the exits of the house if you like the other thing at the moment is we are still in tomcat breeding season so with the extra tomcats out and about roaming marking territory out there even though he's getting older his sense of smell is the last one that's going to go so he smells those other cats although he is always inside and i think personally that keeping a cat inside doubles their lifespan because they're not outside getting into trouble chasing other cats getting chased by dogs cars getting diseases all that sort of thing snake bite ticks so much better keep them in um, the other thing is a lot of people want to change the litter type. Well, don't do that. If he's used to that one, he's always used it. Don't go changing things around. The same with um, people as we get older. Not that I'm too old, but yeah, I like my routines. And so they like to know where things are and what happens. As he gets older as well, um, it's feeding multiple times a day. Cats love to graze. So he does that, yes. He does that. Yeah, they love it. They So you put a little bit down here and then you put a little bit um, over near the other litter tray and then a little bit in the kitchen. And so he wanders around, does that, but then pick him up, give him a bit of a stroke, help him to relax and mm-hmm. then put him on the litter tray. So um, I think... Okay, well, I did actually just change the litter for a, to a different brand this morning thinking that might have been the reason, but I'll change it back now. It, it, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay, that's okay. And the dementia, I mean, I, pre- I, I assumed it was, heading towards dementia is that how long does that sort of deteriorate how long very variable as in people the brain is shrinking in size the blood supply is not as good there is Mm. beta amyloid plaque that's laid down don't rush out and get a new kitten to bring him back to life he would he would yeah just sometimes flips them over the edge and they get really cranky or uncertain um it's better just to yeah keep trying to get him to play lots of little stroking little five-minute bits with him through the day. You can get some special diets that are particularly uh, made for older cats um, that help to reduce the potential kidney problems and skin problems, teeth problems as they get older. And the other thing about older animals, it's good to get them a vet check every six months or so as they're getting older because, yeah, there's things that can sometimes um, yeah, be in the early stages easy to fix or manage Whereas if you let it get too far, it's harder to change. So yeah. d- down to your regular che- uh, vet for a checkup and see that everything's going okay. Thank you, Wendy. Hopefully that helps you. 49216216 if you have a question for Dr. Bob or Cheryl. Now, guys, when we're talking about, uh, sorry, Dr. Bob, who are you talking about uh, snakes? Yes. Coming into summer, of course, a lot of snakes around. To prevent, yeah, I suppose it's hard. What do we do in, if our pet gets bitten by a snake? It's um, being aware of, of whether the snakes are around depending on where you live. So if you're near a reserve, near a, a creek or something, and you know there's a potential for that, it's important to always be on alert. Mm. Um, and some animals, particular breed types, we had a foxy before, the Jack Russell types, they're going to be more protective of the family. So if the family or the children are in the yard, they're going to go out and actually, yeah, sort of be that first line of defence. So if you know your dog has the potential, then it's um, either making sure the fences are to prevent snakes getting through, which is really hard. You can get the repellent uh, devices that you put around the yard. If the animal is bitten, it's good if you can to identify the snake much safer to just take a photo of it grab the dog keep it as quiet as possible take it to the vet as quickly as you can Um, it needs to get antiphenine as quickly as possible 
So the photo may help to identify, but also the multivenine vials. Um, we do have emergency centres in Newcastle and in Maitland now, which is really good um, when they've always got plenty of stock of that sort of thing. But uh, as with people, it's if you're a long way away from a vet, then it's wrapping the wound. And what we think is happening there, and that's local research done by um, uh, scientists here at Newcastle Uni, is that you reduce the flow of the fluids in the limb going back up into the body. So by actually bandaging, you're slowing down the um, return of the lymph to the rest of the body, which then the, 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 the venom actually circulates through the body. So the quieter, more still the animal or the person is, the better chance we've got of making a full recovery. But, yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, moving along to our Pet Rescue Dog of the Week. Yes, we have a beautiful little dog today, Jaffa. He's a Kelpie cross and he's about a year and a half year old. He's looking for a forever home with lots of human companionship and he also likes four-legged friends to keep him company. He can't get enough cuddles, walks and he loves playing. He gets on perfectly with other dogs and children. Uh, Jaffa won't dig or jump out of your yard. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's guaranteed, is it? <laughs> he with is house ears, trained. Though, I got, know, look at those ears. ears. Yeah, you'd need to have a look at this. Um, but he does prefer to spend plenty of time outdoors. He listens when his name is called. Well, they said most of the time. He sits and he like loves me. to hide and seek, <laughs> like you, Colin. He would suit an active couple, a family or a single person. If you'd like more information, call his foster carer, Rachel, on 0402 287 or you can view his uh, full profile on www.dogrescuenewcastle.com.au Fees do apply, but you can also go onto our website, 2NURFM, and have a look at him. Good afternoon to you, June. What can we do for you? Oh, there oh, we go, yes. June. Hello. Um, we've got a 17-month-old Border Collie, um, very active, as you might know. Um, he's chasing after birds. Uh, the lady next door feeds the birds, and they're actually driving him crazy. Um, he's looking around all the time for the birds, and, yeah, so I'm just... Wondering, is there any way we can deter that? It is very difficult because border collies are bred. Their deep brain instinct is to chase and to herd. So yeah. if you can talk to the neighbour that when she's about to put the food out, you bring the dog inside. Okay. Preventing the access. The problem, again, with border collies is that obsessive nature means they can transfer from chasing birds to chasing uh, reflections, shadows, anything that moves, crickets or whatever. So it's important to try and ask him to come back to you, to interrupt and redirect uh, with a whistle or a click, then pay him to come over and sit and stay and watch from a distance rather than being as close. If you can, restrict his visual access to the birds that are going to a particular area of the neighbour's yard, um, either some shade cloth or something. But really the best way to do it is to, if you know when she's going out to feed the birds, then bring him in to keep him away from that trigger. And it is just so arousing as, you know, I can just visualise what he's doing and see his face and the intensity of it and, and the eyes, the, the border collie stare from foot rot flats, that sort of thing. And so it's the, the more you interrupt, redirect, the better. But usually with a border collie, if you don't start really early before they get aroused, you haven't got a lot of, of chance of changing that. If you have to, go down to where he is along the fence line, put the lead on and bring him back inside that way. Okay, great. And, but, 
But if you can, yeah, just try and redirect. Being a male, he is going to be more into perimeter patrols as well. But, yeah, birds all over the place and different types of birds. And, yeah, there's so much things to look for. It's just so good. No, sorry. You have to be really calm as much as you can, June. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call, June. 49216216. If you would like uh, to talk to Dr. Bob Bob or Cheryl Shaw. Now, back to uh, heat and what we can do to prevent uh, our dogs being or pets being dehydrated. What else can we do? The important thing, uh, as um, we're saying before, is the shade and the water in different places so that it's as the sun goes around through the day, you're preventing, um, the, the, you're enabling, sorry, the dog to be able to find those spots where it can be in shade. Although, yeah, the dog next door, it was when I got home on the Monday, the 33 degree or whatever day it was, and it was just lying on the concrete pad out the back. Yeah, some <laughs> don't seem and... phased at all, do they? Yeah. <laughs> and it just looked at me and panted a bit, and yeah, it's quite fun out here. Wait a minute, I might be hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the other thing is with all the bushfires about, bushfire survival plan, make sure you've um, got a plan for your pets as well. People often don't... Um, Remember that bit, so make sure you've got a carrier, a lead, their medications, the emergency contact for your local vet, a little bit of food, um, some um, plastic bags to pick up the poo, um, water on standby, a first aid kit. So make sure that you've got them as part of that whole um, plan to what do we do, when do we do it, where do we go and and how do we get there? So Yeah, people really need to have that conversation. They do. They need to talk about it with everybody in the house and even with visitors and stuff. It's important so that you know, look, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to head. And the pets pick up on what's happening. They are intuitive. They are seeing our body language a bit more stressed or our chemistry a bit different. So they start to get more aroused, a bit more worried. Get them on lead early so that they haven't taken off down the paddock to try and run away. All right. Uh, Cole from Raymond Terrace, good afternoon to you, mate. How are you? Hello. Uh, I'm good, thank you. Um, just a question, Doc. Um, I had some chickens hatched the other day, about eight, eight of them, and yep. uh, I noticed a couple of days later, one of them had got uh, its top beaks missing. Whoops. Oh, and, so it was born that way? Well, no. Well, there was a bit of dry blood on the, on the top where it uh, ah. sort of goes off. Uh, whether uh, it's been pulled off or pecked off, I don't know. I just want to know will it grow back. It depends on whereabouts it was pecked off. With young chickens, I wouldn't think it was um, from other chickens and fighting and that sort of thing. It could be that you've got some foxes about, so I'd certainly make sure the chicken coop is fully enclosed um, oh. over the top as well as underneath. Foxes never had access to it, really. Okay. Um, um, yeah, because they're well tanned and uh, it's... It was just the mother and the chickens okay. in the cage itself. Yeah, so the mother might have been yeah telling it off or something like that. So it, yeah. if it, it took off the, where the growth of the beak comes from, then that's not good. It, it, it may go back or you may have uh, and you may have to make a decision on its yeah. future life. Um, but also make sure there's plenty of places for the chickens to hide, plenty of places for them to, to go and, and get water and, and to, for the hen to roost and things. But, yeah, be very careful. of. I often see chook, chook pens in the backyard and, and Colin's nodding his head being a farmer-type boy. And, yeah, the, the foxes, the feral cats, the roaming dogs, they're just so prevalent these days. I've had a, uh, I've had a chicken with the, uh, with the old... Uh... 
back. I had it. I think the mother picked it off actually. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, sorry to say, but uh, no, no it, more. Yeah. No. It, and and they can't grip things. They can't peck. They can't pick it up. They can't then swallow. So it's uh, a yeah. finishing for today. So just recapping, the best things to do for the warmer weather is to ice water, multiple locations for water bowls, plenty of shade in different locations so that you can keep them happy. And if you're going to walk, as Cheryl said, walk early morning or late evening. Older animals especially be more careful. Um, so you've got to make sure that you keep them, yeah, able to cope with that. And the fitter they are, the better chance they've got. All right. Well, thank you so much for today. Thank you. Not a problem. What are we going to talk about next week? Do we have any idea yet or am I putting you on the spot? Uh, we'll, we'll make that up when we drive in. I mean, no, no. We'll, we'll, <laughs> that, that'll be in the organised plan, of course, We like Colin. to keep people thinking. <laughs> oh, right. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>